Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Corey Crenshaw, and this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. It's nice to be talking to you all again. Um, once again, Richie is not here. He keeps on leaving us for no good reason. I mean, who really wants to go see a 21 Pilots um, concert? I'm totally just kidding, Richie. Don't be all, all, all mad listening to us, probably on the plane flight home. We're just mad that you keep on leaving us. Bright side, though, is Scotty Farr has joined us again. Sporty Nation, you have him back with probably more of his celery antics. I am not 100% sure what we're in for today, but we're so happy to have you back. And I'm always happy to have you on because, I mean, I've chosen you for my life partner. So if I didn't enjoy having you on, that could be a problem. That would be a problem. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me uh, on the show again. I'm excited to be on and talk more hockey and give an update on Richie's adventures and the GoFundMe account and everything like that and how he's kind of faring with all that. Actually, we have a, a uh, not the greatest news on that front. Oh, yes. What has happened with his salary? So, Richie hit the ground running in Vegas. Yeah. But when he got to Colorado to spread his salary in love for fiber. Oh, things turned. He lost his car keys again. His fob. He lost his car fob. Again, this is twice. I want to tell people this is like twice in like three months. I didn't want to do this. But now Richie is trying to take back the celery he gave out to pay for his car fob. So this is like a double negative. People are now more constipated than before what he tried to do. And now he can't even drive. We don't even know if Richie's going to be able to get home. So the GoFundMe has now transitioned into help Richie get back home. And, uh, like I said, if, uh, we get 10 people, give them a shout on Twitter, donate to the GoFundMe, we'll put Richie in that care costume for Halloween. He's actually, uh, really into the idea of the care costume. He appreciated the fact that we told him that he would look good in a care costume. The funny part is, as much as we may be joking about the celery, we are dead serious that he's lost his fob again. The man has lost his car keys in both uh arizona and colorado now and he has no way to get home when he flies back 
Um, so Kat has been trying to help him with that. Yeah, I was gonna say, give Kat a shout out for actually trying to help him, uh, with his, uh, key fob. Oh my gosh, yes. So she's trying to help him with that, but it involves things being towed and a whole lot of stuff. Uh, Scotty and I, uh, got Richie something as, like, a surprise, um, to try and help him not lose his key fob again. So we're, we're actively trying to help him not lose his keys but he not only lost his main one but he lost his spare as well this is a a whole nother level of yeah yeah i think his passion for his for celery for celery is kind over. of what overtook that and he wasn't thinking probably took a piece of celery out of his pocket <laughs> and the fob just fell out don't you need to refrigerate celery yeah but celery is it's pretty dense and dry, so I don't know. I don't know how long celery lasts on the fridge. That, that'd be a good question. There's for... a lot of water in celery. I know because uh, one time it was in a fridge that was too cold and it froze. And like hmm. the inside of like the the water part of the inside of, in the celery like all froze. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it's funny because we always say Richie's gonna wear a care costume. I should look up see if there's a celery costume. It, it would just go. Better. Oh yeah, why didn't you look up a celery costume? <laughs> I'll do that later. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if we got like a, a bunch of people to do it and everyone was just a bunch of different foods? Wait, I I wore a hot like dog the... one one time. Uh, I found one at Target and and Cat was wearing a pizza one. So, you know, we could do a hot dog, a pizza. We could do one group that is unhealthy and one group that's healthy. We would essentially be Fruit of the Loom underwear, but vegetables. Or Veggie Tales. Veggie Tales. There we go. Veggie, veggie Tales. Shout out Veggie Tales. <laughs> but, you know, we could do an unhealthy group and a healthy group. I feel like this could be very entertaining. You know, you got the celery, you got the carrot. Um, Maybe... Um, someone could be an apple, or I feel like an apple's maybe too round. That might, but pe people were pumpkins for Halloween, you know? No, I mean, I was a pumpkin for Halloween, but. So there's my Richie update for uh, everyone. Key fob is a 100% a real thing that happened, so we are going to help Richie try not to lose his keys anymore. But in the meantime, we can talk some hockey that uh, give you some more of my hot takes. Y yeah, actually, one of our friends actively listens to um the episodes that scotty is on so he can purposefully get infuriated by his hot take what, which is hilarious you and richie have your mailbag questions i got my own mailbag questions scott's thoughts scott's coming thoughts. at you later we all have little segments right that we've created over the years and uh you know we we've came up with cat's meow for cat uh, i okay i came up with that one um yours is scott's thoughts but scott's thoughts t-h-o-t-s not t-h-o-u we're, we're still trying to teach richie what what thoughts means yeah and it's a work uh, in progress yeah and then um and then mine was always Corey's corner and then uh Oh my god, why am I spacing? Dick of the week. Dick of the week, thank you. Is Richie. Is Richie's. So, um yeah, that's that's always been our little our little things that we've done. We always love to come up with the cute like marketing names for them. Um but Scotty's definitely held on to that one kind of tightly. It's kind of like 
your obsession with um doing scott's tots for it for yeah everything, it's for pretty everything. much a words on play with scott's tots shout out the office for that but like i said i will have some thoughts about the coyotes uh starting their camp preseason's about to start and maybe we can uh rag on vancouver a little bit yeah, th that was one thing that I actually put in this rundown for today because I thought it was a very interesting situation. I was texting Kat actually about it, who has been harassed by Canucks fans one too many times. They've gotten, they can get very aggressive and they got very aggressive with her a while back. But um, they were too optimistic, I feel like, on a video of OEL skating that looked absolutely atrocious. Uh, a friend of ours on Twitter had actually like screenshotted some of the tweets that they had said. And I was like, there is not a, a point in my life where, and, and believe me, people usually give us shit all the time for defending the coyotes in a lot of situations because of the fact that they, um, you know, they go through a lot of shit, but we try and be as honest as possible. These were to the level of like, you had to try hard to make them sound good. So for context, the OEL issue is, it was posted on Twitter of him, they were doing a bag skate, and he was significantly behind the line of guys bag skating, and... People were giving him a lot of shit on Twitter. I'd probably say more Coyote fans, probably. But then Vancouver media, Vancouver people were saying how hard he competed before the bag skate. And... Yeah, so here, here's one. Not the whole story. The harder you worked in the scrimmage and drills before the bag skates, the more tired you're going to be at the end. This proved OEL battled harder today until he had nothing left and the other rookies were saving their energy to one-up him in the bag skate. Who plans for a bag skate? That's what I was about to say. I played hockey. And especially if you're trying to make a team, you want to show off your skill set. You can shoot, score, hit, grind in the corners, do that. I have never once, personally, or I have never seen other players do it, in the line say, oh, Thank God on those three or threes. I three. Or three. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God on those three v threes that uh, I saved my energy and uh, now I'm ready for this bag skate. Like coaches would be like, oh well, at least he's in good shape, but yeah, he still can't handle the puck, score, or do PK or PP. So, so rookies that would be trying to show their worth wouldn't be waiting for the bag skate to show how fast they are that it just doesn't even seem rational and also for oel like given the benefit of the doubt let's say he had a great practice worked hard and at the end he was just gassed he's going into a new team he still has stuff to prove he has he he was the captain of the coyotes so he has to prove not only that he has leadership skills he has to show that he has on ice skills that he has on ice leadership skills he has a lot to prove in this trade because not only did they take on his ridiculous contract, they gave the Coyotes a first-round pick, plus other players. Obviously, Garland was included. 
So to give OEL the easy out and be like, oh, well, he worked hard in practice, it's like this guy is a veteran in the NHL who was a captain in the NHL, who had a lot of promise, has a contract level of a star in the NHL. He needs to be held to a higher standard in that regard. And I hope he does well. I wish him the best. I appreciate all the years he was with the Coyotes, and he stuck out a lot of tough years with the Coyotes. But at the same time, he's at the point of his career where he obviously has to be held accountable for most actions. And for a captain, you can't be almost two, three lines behind guys by the time the end of the bag skate. It just looks bad. Um, another one was, you may not be aware, but during a hockey game, players tend to wear down as the game slash season. Ooh, they're even talking about a full season here. Uh, go down. I'm looking forward to watching 97 eat that chump up. Weird flex. And the person responded to him with McDavid question mark. He's fast, but OEL knows how to play him. McDavid is only a career plus two against Coyotes. And so now that OEL is on a contender... Oh, I think McDavid is going to have a much tougher time scoring against Canucks now that the team is healthy. Um, and then it was uh, screenshotted again that a wheel is on a contender as is, is, is a friend of the podcast. Clay Collins had had tweeted this and he had added to it um, that the last four seasons before the COVID season, um, where the Canucks had more, or the Coyotes had more points than the Canucks in those seasons, and just show how incredibly close these two teams were for those four seasons. Um, you could probably go and and see. I had quote tweeted it myself on my Twitter, so you can go see it there. But I just thought that entire thing was hilarious. It proves to me too, and I think this is something that we kind of go back and forth on a little bit, is we always talk about, you know, like the East Coast bias and the originals bias and all of that stuff. But like, I think we don't ever fully look at the Canadian bias, like just because of the fact that he's on a Canadian team doesn't necessarily mean he's magically going to be better for one and two. It also um, doesn't mean that Vancouver is so much magically better than the Coyotes either. It, it's still like you need to look at it from an actual factual point of view. So it's it's funny the spin that gets taken on it, though. Yeah, no. And final point on it, I would probably say wish OEL the best. But at the end of the day, you know, even this backskate, even though it's kind of got blown out of proportion, it's all about his on-ice production. And he is going to have a tough matchup with McDavid. And yeah, you can say old, you know, statistics. He's on a completely different team. He's going to be playing McDavid a hell of a lot more. And it's going to be interesting to see how he matches up with a lot of these players and also how he ends up producing. Because at the end of the day, that's really all that matters for him and Vancouver is how well he's doing. And to say Vancouver's on a contending team, well, I would say, well, where were they last year? I mean, who was it? So many damn Hughes brothers. But one of them even said, like, oh, my brother was on one of the worst teams in the league last year. He deserves to get paid. Forget about those bad stats. So don't tell me he's on a contender now. Like, he's going to have to – he's even going to have it probably harder because there's going to be more pressure on him to perform. So 
you know, get, you know, leave an open mind for OEL, but, you know, hold them accountable when shit looks bad. And that well, looks bad. And, and he was on a contender in the fact that, you know, that the Coyotes went into the bubble. They went on the Plains uh, playoffs. So, and in those, both of those rounds, he didn't look very good. And so the fact that, and that was part of the problem was he didn't look the greatest throughout all of that. And, he, and his leadership skills were lacking throughout all of that. So I, I don't think him being on a contending team is necessarily his problem. I always thought one of his biggest problems here was that he was kind of stuck in like a slump of being here in Phoenix. He needed to get out of here. He's gone through a lot, you know, especially after like his mother died and everything. He's been through quite a lot and it just... Um, he needed a new change of scenery. It just doesn't look good that this is the way that it's starting out. And I genuinely, I think we all wish him the best because none of us have anything bad really against OEL, like as a person and as a player. We just, uh, you know, it's fool me once, like shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me type of thing. And I, I just don't think you can go into this thinking that, it would magically change overnight. We were hoping for his own sake that it would look better, but I just, I, I don't see it so far. I, I really hope he does turn it around though. I just still think Canucks fans are delusional. No, I agree. I agree. And if, if I had to place bets on how well he's going to do this year, I think he's going to just continue what occurred with the Coyotes and have his good moments, but he's also got his bad moments. So I'm going to bet the under on him being a Norris uh, trophy contender. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't think he'll ever get to the point he was before where, you know, he, he was a great offensive defenseman. And then I felt like he tried to be more of a defensive defenseman, but failed at it. And then he lost that offensive edge and then he became bad at both. Yeah. And trying to find a way back to that, maybe it's it's him kind of going and you know to bring up a nice Keith Yandel part of this again. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe he should go the Keith Yandel way. Just say say screw it. I'm not really a defensive defenseman. Go for the offensive side because that's that's what he usually excelled at in the beginning of his career, and just try and focus on that. So at least he's an asset on one side. Yeah. No, I agree. He. He's going to have to have a lot to prove. And obviously it doesn't look good now, but, you know, he will have probably, he's going to have a hell of a lot better team around him now than what the Coyotes are currently at. You know, the Coyotes are going to be bad for a little bit. So it's a better situation for him. It's a better situation for the Coyotes. Both went their separate ways and we'll see how it goes in the future. But I, like I said, I would not bet on him being a Norris level defenseman or anything close to that, in my opinion. But we will see. But we would love to see Chikrin as a yeah. as a as a talk for Norris because of the fact that I do feel bad considering the fact that he will be one of the core players kind of moving forward here. You know, we'd already kind of talked about him like as a um you know, as a possible captain choice. Um, And so the fact that he's going to be having to deal with this team not being very good when he's, you know, really last season we started to see him hitting his strides. We'd kind of pushed for him to be a, a Norris contender this last season because of the fact that it just looked really great. And I think there was a lot of things that 
didn't go his direction with that. And I think there was a, a few different biases, but then there was a few things that they were considering more than others. And um, uh, a lot of it had to do with the team, the fact that the team wasn't the greatest team and the other guys that were um, they're looking at for Norris were um, on, on better teams. So it made their stats look a little bit better. That And I that's not going to change for him as this time goes on because, you know, it's going to take years for this team to be good. So um, I would like to see him back in that point eventually, but he's going to have to really be able to, to suffer and, and grow with this team through those yeah, years. Yeah, Trickerin will not be a Norris talk just because of the team level probably. And the East Coast bias level, I'll say that. Definitely East Coast bias. But Trickrin will, you know, he's, it's kind of going to where we want to talk about is the core group of Coyotes. Who are the Coyotes building around? And right now that's Trickrin, Keller, Schmaltz, probably not Phil Kessel. My guess is they'll eventually probably trade him. Um, Christian Fisher, um, a lot of small group to build around and and i know they have some young guys like the goalie prosvitov um but it's going to be interesting to see how much of that core stays with the coyotes as uh years go on you know adding in scott's thoughts that's what uh my good friend marcus wanted to talk about was kind of that core and specifically with schmaltz and stuff i agree that they should have kept dvorak and if there's a player they probably should have moved on from it was schmaltz because him and keller are exactly the same player and they do the exact same stuff and they really do not produce enough as they should to be able to stay on a core team. Dvorak is a center that, yeah, his worth was a lot and that's why they trade him was just because the worth and I doubt Schmaltz would ever bring a first rounder. But at the same time, when you look at that core, there's really only one guy I want to build around that's Chikrin and you need at least a better core to build around. And it's kind of like we talked about last episode on last weekend is you know how are these bill armstrong picks going to transition into that core because he's going to need to at least hit on like five players to really look good and have a decent core to build around and then he could sign free agents and stuff but with the current core they have now from from the previous years I don't think it looks that great. I think eventually Schmaltz or Keller, the Coyotes, are going to have to walk away from just because they're too similar of the same player and they just both don't produce enough. It'd be one thing if you had two Patrick Canes on the same team, but you have two kind of average Canes on the same team. So I could see him being thrown in a package deal at a later date. Yeah, maybe with Bill Kessel, actually. That that's kind of what I feel like more from him that he's part of a a package deal like where they're really looking for a certain player but he sweetens the deal type of a situation. Um, I think what you said about the fact that um, he couldn't have gotten what they were looking out of for him is the reason why he wasn't. Dvorak was worth more and was probably easier in the talks to of what. Um, Armstrong was looking at because Armstrong has a very definitive vision where he's going with this team and um, what he wants draft pick wise and so um, what he was trying to do was was very obvious to everyone you know they have an obscene amount of second round draft picks 
uh, next year. And he is putting so many eggs in that next year draft class basket. I can't even tell you how many times we've talked about it, how many times we, we've talked about the fact that, you know, that one is supposed to be a big one. It's supposed to be one that is going to be properly scouted because of the fact that, you know, um, everything is supposed to go, like, normally season-wise. And so, um, he's putting a lot of eggs in that basket for the future of this team. And he wasn't looking for um, later rounds. He was literally just looking for first and early to mid-second rounders. And he just couldn't have gotten any of that for Schmaltz. And I think that's a large reason why. Um, And I can genuinely see him being in a package deal later on if it meant that Armstrong could get more picks because he really is trying to make this team. And it's funny, every single time I say this, I have these crazy flashbacks to like five years ago whenever I say he's trying to make this a very young team that can grow and get really good. And um, there's a little bit of PTSD that comes into that, you know, like in the fact that we've talked about rebuilds so often that it it does freak you out a little bit to say like, oh, this is the way that it's going to go. But it it feels different this time. There's a strategy I feel like that's in place and that is rooted in real like a real passion for scouting and i feel like that one's different in this one well and i also don't think in most coyotes history have they ever done a full rebuild completely scratch a team bunch of picks to pick from i don't think that's really ever happened in coyotes history so and i think this is something they needed they've been around for two plus decades with really not much to show for it except for a Western Conference Finals appearance, which is nice, but, like, there's teams that have been just powerhouses for a long time. I mean, you could look at Boston. They only won one Stanley Cup during their time, but at least they're in the playoffs consistently. Same with, you know, Tampa Bay. You know, they've been in consistently, and look how long it took them to win two Stanley Cups. They were good plenty of years before that. They just couldn't get over that hump. This gives Coyotes finally a chance to build a really talented young team and then as years progress, add free agents, sign players to win a Stanley Cup and then to build upon that for future Stanley Cups rather than, okay, we're going to do another partial rebuild. We got a couple first rounders in a second. Let's just get a couple guys, but we're going to keep 60 to 70% of the team and build around that. It hasn't worked for the Coyotes, so I'm happy, to be honest, as a Coyotes fan for as long as I have been, I'm happy that we're finally trying something different and new. And even though I have no idea, most of the people who are at the camp that just started for the Coyotes now, I am excited, you know, for years to come, what this team will evolve. And most of the guys on the team now won't be a part of the team because a lot of them were signed for those short year deals to just take on salary for the most part. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Another thing I was going to, like that Richie and I talked about in last, uh, episode that I kind of wanted to bring up with you is um, you have been here since the days of, you know, basically having to drive 45 minutes to get to a rink. And now they're talking about having in Tempe, um, obviously Oceanside, which has always been there. They they revamped that to make that NCAA level. 
and then you know ASU's new uh, arena, and then now with the um, the renderings that we have of the new Coyotes arena that would be there. Um, how how does that make you feel as someone who has been here, like, you know, playing hockey your entire life here and seeing that, you know, they, they have a practice rink in there. I don't know how that would be utilized uh, if they will, you know, allow um, anyone to really use that ice or anything. But I feel like it's a big deal. It's a lot of, obviously, we we have over, like, I think 10 rinks now in the Valley. So it, there's a lot of growth here, but it's kind of cool that Tempe is going to be a little bit of like a little mecca of hockey. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is needed. You know, people like to give Arizona shit for, oh, they need to move the team and move on from it. Yet, USA Hockey has Arizona and one of the top tiers for growth and potential growth and demographics for hockey. So hockey's actually pretty big here in Arizona, but people like to believe otherwise. But building those rinks just allows more people to play hockey, which is exactly what's needed in Arizona. And I think people will be able to use the, I mean, hell, even with the Coyotes current stadium, high school hockey plays are all the time. I played there before. And my guess is the same will be with this Tempe stadium. And they have the practice sheet that they'll also be able to sell to teams. You know, when I played club hockey for ASU, we played in Denver and we played on Denver's practice sheet not their main sheet. So again, it allows them to build more revenue with those practice sheets. I mean, uh, you got a dislocated shoulder right before uh, playing in, in Vegas. So you didn't actually get to play on the ice, but mm -hmm. uh, T-Mobile there, y your, uh, your team was the first college game to be played on that ice. Yeah. So it, it brings excitement to the sport. And I think, you know, with Tempe, hopefully that gets approved. Obviously, there's some smoothing out that needs to get done, but it just brings more excitement to hockey and more fans to hockey. It'll bring more revenue for, for the Coyotes, and uh, it's an exciting time to uh, be a part of hockey in Arizona. You know, I was lucky to play for about 20 years here, and it it was fun and exciting, but when I played, there was a few rinks in each main location, and even then, it was still kind of growing pretty exponentially. But now with how many rinks there are and you could go play for ASU club, you can come back and play NCAA. They'll have a cool Coyotes arena. Like there's so much cool stuff with hockey right now in Arizona that it's one of the places not only to live and be, but if you're a travel hockey team, a college hockey team, professional hockey team, coming to play in Arizona against teams will be a blast. You get this amazing weather. You get to play competitive hockey. You'll get all this exposure that, you know, I've played in the East Coast many times, and it's really cool and very extremely cold, but it's so different coming to Arizona, which is not traditionally a hockey place, and being like, oh, wow, like, the weather's perfect, there's palm trees everywhere, like, this is an awesome place to play, like, a tournament in or whatever, so I think it uh, will look good for the Coyotes if they can get this arena deal done, which has some little barriers I guess I would say. Yeah, Richie and I kind of like touched on it slightly and, and there's been even more that's come out about it. But, you know, it's there's so many things that they're going to have to look at with this and they're going to have to deal with um, FAA on and then Sky Harbor and try and figure it out because 
a, a large bit of the problem is the fact that if they ever want to extend that runway and with its proximity and it's in, um, you, you know, it's in the landing path. So that is going to be its own thing. I'm really hoping that they do. One of the things that was talked about was a 140 uh, foot tall um, apartment complex. And, and it was said that no one was willing to really budge on that. I hope those things will actually be um, kind of more flexible because of the fact that, you know, the arena itself, I don't think will cause a lot of problems. It was funny. One of the things that uh, one of the representatives for uh, Sky Harbor had said something about fireworks. It's not like D-backs where they're shooting off fireworks all the uh, on Friday nights, you know, um, which in itself is in the in the flight path of like coming in. You still have to fly past it. Well, not even just that, but think about all the business buildings. Look at State Farms buildings. That's a massive uh, company building that's kind of near where the Coyotes want to build. So I think Sky Harbor um, and uh, the FAA. And, and the FAA and uh, Southwest, I think, has chimed in as well. They're probably going to have some pushback. But when it comes to money, money talks. And I can't imagine them holding this up unless it truly imposed a massive like difficulty like where they would be like people's lives are at stake here and from the general understanding that i have from this is it more than likely won't be an issue but it is something they're gonna have to figure out and like i said if the coyotes don't build there i guarantee you they're still gonna build business buildings apartment buildings whatever and it so i just it wouldn't make sense just to say no to the coyotes but be like oh yeah um JP Morgan Chase, come build your, you know, 100 story. Like, so, that's probably not 100 stories. I lied. That was so exaggerated. <laughs> but, like, come build your builder here, you know. I just don't see, like, the difference. And hopefully, you know, that doesn't become too much of a problem. Well, and that was, it was funny. I was actually talking to a few different people about it and some people that are kind of, like, in the know about it. And, and they were like, think about all of the places that you've landed that, uh, have so many buildings, so many things surrounding the airport. One of them being San Diego. When you fly into San Diego, it's just like you're going through buildings, 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 and airport, you know? And so um, I, th this is, of course, going to make headlines and it's going to be going back and forth with everyone and they're going to make their little fuss about it just like there's red tape in everything. But um, I, I think if there is room for... <clears throat> flexibility in there and some of those um taller buildings and that type of stuff i i think it's going to work out honestly because in the end it's going to be something that i think will be so beneficial to tempe and it'll be beneficial in a lot of ways especially with how like it'll be paid for you know it shouldn't be put on much as the city like glendale had to take on a lot brandon with the recession hit that created a lot of problems that's a whole nother discussion but like just there's so many benefits to that being built not just for the coyotes but for you know arizona as a state the city of tempe like there would just be a lot of cool things to do and that's the best thing arizona can do is just attract people but then also attract nhl talent to want to live here you know yeah i mean the, I th the interesting thing i don't think that we've like actually like talked about with it but someone who would be a massive benefactor from it and we can give the university shit because we graduated from that university is ASU. ASU finds a way to benefit off of other things without having to 
to like put anything in it, you know? Uh, ASU, I mean, I guess they could be one of the people that, you know, in invest in this whole thing, but th that would be, I think that would be amazing to throw to uh, trying to get people to come to ASU as, you know, as a trying to recruit people, not just for like teams, but for to come to their school. Well, yeah, and for the Coyotes, they would attract so much more of a younger demographic. Think about the college town, how many people would be like, oh, sure, I'll just go to a uh, Coyotes game. It's right next to my dorm, you know, like. Yeah, you just walk down as the same thing as if you were to go to Wells Fargo or if you were to go to um, to Sun Devil Stadium as well. You know, it's just they that's why you have a lot of those people. And we always like make jokes about the fact that everyone leaves to go to Mill at like halftime. But like it's all so much in proximity to each other that it's so easy for a lot of you know, a lot of them to go and do that. And it will bring in a, a lot, I think, yeah. of a young crowd. And and I think, too, with the businesses around there. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, my first choice was downtown for the Coyotes because I feel like having your sports teams in the heart of the state is kind of a good thing. It's perfect for everyone to get there. But I would say Tempe is the next best. It's close to Scottsdale. A lot of uh, rich, popping families out in Scottsdale. As close to ASU, you get a younger demographic showing up. It's right off Tempe Town Lake. There's going to be a bunch of restaurants, bars, all built within. You know, Westgate is really nice for what it was. But it being so far out for a lot of people. And like, you know, like I said for a call student, oh, drive 30 plus minutes to Westgate and 30 plus minutes back. Take a less than five minute uber to yeah probably like two minute uber to the arena in tempe like there's a lot of cool things and as a coyotes fan i'm really excited for it and i hope this arena gets approved and the coyotes can stay um they're gonna have to figure out their arena issues for the next few years which will be challenging uh and it's to itself, say the least to say the least so it'll be interesting and the on ice product's probably not gonna be the best so at least for these next few years, so, you know. But imagine being one of those people that works in one of those big-ass buildings down there, and then you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm tired, I'm gonna get off work, and I'm just gonna walk over to a Oh, yeah, game. they need to figure out the traffic down there, too, because the traffic's already sucks in Tempe, and oh, with, all those, with all those business buildings, my last year at ASU, I'd be stuck in traffic just getting out because all the workers from State Farm and all these other buildings are leaving at the exact same time, so, like, there are a lot of challenges along with this, you know, with parking and stuff like that. If they can figure that out effectively, especially with how the Cardinals have the football team here, have their parking, if they can figure that out effectively. I think they'll have uh, the location will be perfect right off Tempe Town Lake. It'll be pretty cool. But maybe they could throw some shuttles in there, you know, kind of like. Oh, we... yeah. We had, like, shuttles between campuses. Like, you know, I my major was in downtown, but I had classes in Tempe, and they they would shuttle you back and forth so you didn't have to be, like, driving everywhere. You could park in one location. That would be uh, a kind of a good idea. And then I think, you know, the, the light rail. That's what I was about to say. Does the light rail go through Tempe? If that's the case, there's another way of transporting people because you need to have the arena be accessible to multiple people, you know, not just people in Tempe. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I, I think, 
one of those things that um that they they just have to figure out some of those things but i think in the end it's going to be really smart and uh quite a good investment for everyone so i hope it ends up working out and that you know the red tape doesn't get in the way because that'll just be frustrating but before we get out of all of this um a couple little other things the coyotes are now back um with az sports so you will be able to listen to them over on that this year um they are also going to be having their first preseason game tonight if you're listening to this on monday uh, against the kings and um then wednesday against the the ducks and again against the ducks on saturday um before we go scotty you told me that you had some parlays that you were doing for um football we're recording this on saturday so for football tomorrow on sunday what are they um well as i talked to my friends about this no one has won a parlay yet except with the free money parlays that are like easy to win so um the sports gambling uh, has gone we we have the sports gambling bug and we haven't stopped because we're gonna do some more sports betting parlays so tomorrow or sunday for nfl football and to interrupt before you finish that you have to listen to our quick ad about DraftKings because of the fact that we want you to use code THPN, and then we will let you listen to Scotty's parlays. Sporty Nation, if you haven't gotten into sports betting here in Arizona, now that it is legal, you have to get into it, and you have to download DraftKings. You can head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game this week, any NFL game this week, to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If it is not available in your state, if you're listening outside of here in Arizona, DraftKings has has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash prizes on their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers only. Minimum uh, $5 deposit and $1 rager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So as I was saying with my sports betting, um, I got uh, I'm going a lot with um, the underdogs in this one. I put a, I think I picked the Falcons um, with their spread, the Chargers with their spread, um, the Rams. I actually went with Richie's team. I think they're going to beat uh, the Buccaneers or at least uh, lose within one and a half. But it is in L.A., so I'm going with that. And the fourth team I can't even remember. 
because I have bet too many times on DraftKings because I have another parlay. Um, I bet on the Giants and uh, Falcons game just because it looked interesting. Their matchup looked interesting. That'd be high scoring. So did some parlays through DraftKings, and hopefully uh, I'm going to continue my uh, start a new win streak because I started off hot. So gambling, it's it's fun, especially you get to mingle with all your friends and talk about which bets you're doing. It's uh, It's been a blast ever since Arizona has officially uh, gone legal with it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done any quite yet. I've gotten more into the live betting, which is, uh, I don't know if it's more dangerous or more prosperous, to be honest with you, because of the fact that it, I like to be able to see what's going on and then be able to change accordingly. And I was telling you guys this when we were watching the Thursday night game because of uh, the fact that, what was it, within the first like oh, five minutes the carolina panthers game yeah they busted all our parlays because mccaffrey got injured the, there it was and I, so i said okay use that information to make a live bet figure out something off of that and that's what i really enjoy doing is using that information that like you know when when shit has hit the fan where as a team who is in crisis what are you going to do to try and fix it and make up for it and that's what I love to try and predict. It's so much more fun to me. Um, so I've been kind of doing that lately as kind of an addicting thing. I'll probably still find like one to put like either yeah. a boosted or like a promoted. That's or... why I love DraftKings is like there's so many different bets you can do. Like even if you don't even care about the game or the score of the game, you can bet on individual players. You can bet on fumbles, touchdowns. You know, there's just so many things expanding on the live bet that makes it pretty cool not just you don't have to just do parlays you can just bet on your favorite player so it's uh been addicting but a lot of fun you know making good money with friends and talking about each other's parlays and bets and it's brought a lot of excitement your friends got very disappointed because i didn't have anything down on that thursday game i just uh i was was busy and didn't even think about it and uh when when you guys lost your parlay so quickly, oh, you know, no one was a fan of either team. So both of you guys or all of you guys were basically just like, oh, I have no interest in this game anymore. I have no fantasy interest and I have no uh, betting interest. And so it hit like a point where you guys were just like, yeah, I don't I, I don't really want to do anything. So then you guys went into that live one and you guys were all of a sudden back in it again. Yeah, no, it's uh we started off disappointed we still ended disappointed but we at least got to enjoy the game more because we got to play some live bets and you know uh not not even just the football game betted on the phoenix mercury game one of us and uh got to watch some WNBA, and it was a blast yeah so uh let us know on our sporty socials um where you are putting your bets um this week this weekend you know, we just love to hear where, where everyone's kind of throwing it at. Uh, thank you again, Scotty, for, for joining us in, in Richie's absence while he is... Richie's self- abstinence. Abstinence. <laughs> abstinence from having car keys. Yes, <laughs> and, and being able to drive his car. We may never let him down, uh, let him live this down. Yeah, we're gonna... We will keep everyone with Sporty updated if Richie can get home... Back to his house, his apartment, 
you know, if he can somehow get his car <laughs> keys. Luckily, Cat's helping him, but unfortunately, his uh, mission of preventing constipation has uh, taken a brief pause. It's it's a little backed up. As you say, he got constipated. <laughs> his car's got a little constipated. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Richie. You're a good sport about it. Yeah, hopefully Richie will laugh at this episode just as much as he did the last time we did it. Um, you know, we we harass the person that couldn't make it on the episode. Um, I still don't think it's ever been as bad as when you guys said that I had like explosive diarrhea or something like that. So um, can't ever really get worse. But um, I thank you all for listening as always. Go and uh, talk to us on all of our socials. We will be talking to you again on um, on Thursday. And Richie will be back for that one. Because again, he's here for the weeks. He's just gone on the weekends. And then we will have Scotty back one more time. Because Richie has to go see a Rams game in person. Um, we may be able to share another funny story after that one though. He's got a flight. That is literally right after the game. He may not make it to the airport in time. So we may have another story for you guys. But until then, good night and good hockey, everybody.